four of the Untucked Podcast. Tonight, we've actually got a guest from across enemy lines that's going to join us to talk some Sooners. After we get done with his interview, I'm going to bring on Arm, and we'll finish up this week's segments and talk a little TCU, uh, look ahead to Oklahoma. So here's Corey. All right, now we welcome on Corey Peters, who also works at uh, Big 12 Country, and he actually covers Iowa State, but he is a Sooner fan, so uh, we brought him on here tonight. How you doing tonight, man? Pretty good, how are you? Oh, pretty good. I guess starting off, last summer, Bob Stoops kind of abruptly uh, retired. I didn't know. Is there any backstory to that for those neutral observers of us? Honestly, you guys knew as much as I did if you paid attention to the story. Uh, it took me by surprise, but I wasn't necessarily unhappy with it. I mean, I grew up on Bob Stoops. He was the glorious coach of everything that I've ever known, uh, or of everything that I've ever known. But after Lincoln Riley's performance the first year, and especially his second year, and I could kind of tell that Bob was on the way out, not in a bad way, but I figured that they, there was going to be somebody that was the guy that he was going to want to turn it over to. It would be Lincoln Riley. And that's what happened, and I couldn't be happier about it. I mean, it's worked out so great so far. But as far as backstory or reasoning, other than what you've heard, he hasn't come out and said it that right. But I think his dad, the story with his dad, kind of not necessarily dying on the sideline, but that was basically what happened. I don't think he wants to go down that way. And I know that it's his oldest son's senior year of high school, and he's got a younger son, I believe, that's a junior or a sophomore. And he wants to be there for a little bit of that to finally be a dad. So I think those are the main reasons. Right. Well, I, I my speculation was he retired to uh, eventually take over at KSU after Bill retires. But um, oh yeah, we'll see if that comes to fruition here. That's a decent speculation. At least that makes complete sense to me. Anyway, uh, it's probably the <laughs> best the best program that I've heard of anybody saying that he wants to take over would be KSU. I think so. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just a home run hire. So oh yeah, everybody. I'm not trying to throw daggers here, but why over the last seven years have the Sooners lost at least one game every year where they're double-digit favorites on the spread? You don't want to throw daggers, but I do at somebody. I'm not sure who. Oh, that's fair. That that irks me more than anything else that you will ever ask me about. I don't even know. I honestly, I thought it was Bob because everybody called him Big Game Bob. And that's absolutely true. He will show up and beat the pants off anybody that he's not supposed to beat. Big games, he and the team are ready. But it's the teams that are not supposed to be in the game that are only supposed to stay there for a minute, like Iowa State, that just for some reason they come out lackadaisical like they're, they are just going to walk all over them. And all of a sudden it's the third quarter, the team's still in the game, and all the fans and us are standing around here like, why are we not beating the pants off this team? And I'm sure you know that if you let a, not a bad team, but if you let a halfway decent team feel like they can win a game, they will half the time at least. And Oklahoma has just been bad at keeping people out of games. Well, that's what I was actually going to ask. Was the second half collapse more due to Oklahoma kind of falling asleep, maybe even looking forward to Texas a little bit, or maybe is Iowa State not a team you can take for granted as much as you used to be able to? It's definitely both. Oklahoma was still riding that hangover they had against Baylor after the Ohio State loss, and they just thought they were going to cruise through everybody else because they beat the number two team in Columbus. 
it seemed like the team was just like, oh, we don't even have to show up to beat everybody else, and then they get bit in the ass. But, just like you said, on the other hand, Iowa State is not a team to take lightly. They are not what they used to be. I mean, they obviously came into Norman. Nobody went to Norman. Bob Stoops was there for 18 years, lost nine home games total. Nobody wins in Norman, and you couldn't tell the guys from Ames that, obviously. I don't know. I just... I have to credit them. I have to credit the Cyclones with that game because Oklahoma came in with that attitude that their world beaters are they're not going to have a problem. And Iowa State was like, no, you haven't seen us yet. And then four quarters later, Oklahoma's sitting on his butt with a Band-Aid and sucking his thumb and wondering what the hell just happened. Right. No, I, I, I think they definitely looked a lot better than they have in years. And uh, you mentioned that nobody comes into Norman and wins except Bill Snyder, who's done it twice now. But anyway, not for... You're 75 years old, I can deal with twice. Okay, that's fair. Mike Stoops is, I mean, is he still kind of considered a good coordinator? Is he a guy that you want to run out of town every time he has a bad performance? Me, personally, I'd have to say I want to run him out of town every time he has a bad performance. But it's not fair to say that overall because, I mean, not everything's him. I mean, when players have bad games, you have to go back to a coach sometimes. But sometimes it's the player themselves, too. In the case of Iowa State, it's half and half again. Because Iowa State doesn't have a bad offensive line, but they don't have a great one. And Oklahoma has the greatest edge pass rusher in the nation in Obo Ogaronquo. And I think he had, I think he rushed a total of four or five times that entire game. And that is just that baffles me. I thought he was going to have a total of four or five sacks, not four or five plays where he actually came after the quarterback. And he ended up he did end up getting a sack on one of those plays. So obviously it wasn't him having a down day, but partially Mike on either having a bad game plan or just going away from it too early because they got gashed on a play or two. And part Jordan Thomas and everybody's been going after him and I I'm not one to call players out like on Twitter or anything. I think that's stupid and I disagree with it completely. But in I can confidently say that Jordan Thomas is part of the reason we lost that game. With penalties that he committed, stupid penalties that he committed and not playing to what he's supposed to do. I mean, the dude was if I remember correctly, he was an All-American a year ago or 2 years ago. And all of a sudden this year he's fallen off the wagon and everybody's looking at him like, "Are you a freshman?" And I don't have an answer for it. I wish I did, but I don't. So I, it's partially Mike and it's partially players in some places. Well, and in the past, I guess, it, it's always seemed to me that the best Sooner teams were always the ones that their identity was more on the defensive side of the ball than offensively, but maybe that's just me. I would have to agree, but it's anymore. That was when Bob was there. Now it's Lincoln Riley's thing. So in the past, you're right, it would be, a defensive mindset because that's Bob Stoops. But now everything defensive is going to come on Mike until Lincoln Riley gets a year or two under his belt and he learns how to manage between basically until Lincoln Riley hires an offensive coordinator and he's not the one calling plays anymore. Until then, I will say everything defensive is up to the DC, which currently is Mike Stoops. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, back to the offensive side of the ball, Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's obviously great player, but where where does he stack up against all the legendary Oklahoma quarterbacks like Jamel Holloway, Sam Bradford, Jason White, all those guys? And 
That's a great question, but I am 21, and I don't remember Holloway. I definitely don't remember Heupel. I know that he won a national championship, but I don't remember watching him. But it really sucks to say, but in recent memory, I would have to say he is because the only one that I could think of, the first quarterback I truly remember at Oklahoma that I remember watching play is Jason White. And then after Jason White, we just have kind of not middle of the road. I mean, it's Oklahoma. We have good quarterbacks. But the only other one that stands out in everybody's mind is Sam Bradford. And if I had to pick from the two Heisman Trophy winners and the current who I think should win the Heisman Trophy this year, but I'm biased, I would take Baker hands down because he has a little bit – he has both – his qualities of both uh, Jason White and Sam Bradford like. He's not so much of a game manager as Bradford was, but he has the 2-0 quality to know that, hey, I have to get this first down, maybe not look for the big play, and let's get a 10-yard out and get this first down to move down the field just once, which is what Sam Bradford does. He was a game manager guy who, if you needed, if you were down by three and you had one minute left, that was a, that's the one you wanted. And then on Jason White's side of the ball, the arm strength to just blow everybody away. I mean, Baker... Against Texas this week, he had a pass to Jeff Bidette that was the first, I can't remember if it was the first score or the second score, but the ball traveled 63 yards in the air and came down perfectly in Bidette's arms. It was amazing to see the kind of arm strength and the accuracy that Baker has. I think, personally, I would take Baker, but he is my favorite college player ever to this point, I think. I was thinking about that the other day. I, I, he's definitely the most uh, dynamic Sooner quarterback than I can remember, and I faintly remember watching Heupel when I was growing up. But really, yeah, uh, yeah, he's definitely the most dynamic for sure. I love watching Baker play, and it's not just like I was talking about the things that he takes from like what Sam Bradford did and what Jason White does. But you know, and everybody like everybody in the nation that's seen him play, Sooner fan or not, the kid is electric. Like. If somebody's coming after him, they're not going to get him down. It takes at least three people to take Baker down. And even at that time, he just like squirts out because he's 6'1". And everybody's like, where'd he go? And next thing you know, he's throwing a bomb to Mark Andrews, and it's crazy. I love it. Right. Uh, Trey Sermon has exploded onto the scene. I guess he. I'll ask kind of the same vein of question. Do you think he'll eventually wind up in the Oklahoma record books? I don't know. Um, it's hard to tell right now. I think he's good enough to, for sure. There's no doubt about that. But he split carries up until this last game whenever Abdul was completely hurt because Abdul Adams got hurt maybe half, like, seven minutes into the Iowa State game. And ever since then, so for a game in three quarters, basically, it's been all Trey Sermon all the time. So we have finally gotten to see what he can do without having to share carries. And... If he did that, then I would say he would definitely end up in a record book for sure. But having to split carries with Abdul Adams, because Adams is just a year uh, older than him, so it's a sophomore and a freshman, Sermon's a freshman, I don't know if he'll ever make it into, like he might have a good game, like uh, Piran did against Kansas his sophomore year. He had a 427-yard game. He might have a good game and be able to set a record like that, but I don't know if he and Abdul Adams are dynamic enough to work together like uh, Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon did to get uh, Trey Sermon into the record books. Okay, that's fair. Um, enough, I guess, of the, the back talk. The game itself, this that's Saturday. 
what are some of your keys and things to watch and players to watch uh, sooner-wise? Thank God that we're not going against a passing team for once. That's all I have to say about that. Well, the joke's um, on you. Dana Dimmel's going to come out firing all over the place. So, Oh, I'm 100% sure right. That's what I would do if I was an offensive coordinator going against Oklahoma right now. Alex Delton has impressed me so far. He hasn't done anything like super flashy like, oh, my Lord, this kid can set records. But for what? For coming in like he did whenever Jesse Ertz went down, not like – Completely, because I'm pretty sure, what was that, two games ago when they split, mm-hmm. and then last game it was all Del- all Delton. Mm-hmm. He's done well, I think. And it's hard to gauge because, like I said, Kansas State is so different than everybody else because it's Bill Snyder, and he's a run-first kind of guy as opposed to the rest of the Big 12. But Alex Delton is the perfect guy. Jesse Ertz is the more Colin Klein kind of built can run through people. Alex Delton is the guy that glides around the field, can make people miss, and I really like him. As far as things that worry me, I would have to say that you're right, that if Dan Dimel comes out and just decides, hey, we're going to see what we can do in the first quarter, and just throws up a bomb and takes everybody by surprise, and if that starts, just like what happened in Iowa State, if that starts guys making dumb penalties and kind of uns- making them unsettling them from their normal play and making them worried that they're going to get beat deep. And and basically the exact same thing that happened against Iowa State is if Dynamo comes out and says, hey, we're going to throw it, and then somebody gets beat, and the rest of the team's like, oh, crap, we have to be on our heels for the rest of this game. And that's what beat them against Iowa State is the defense was on their heels the whole game. What, uh, what do you think some keys are, I guess? Keys for Oklahoma in this game would be to contain Alex Delton because OU always has a, has troubles with scrambling quarterbacks. Always has, always will, as far as I can see, as long as Mark's, Mike Stoops is there. Um, so containing him would be great to be able to make him, if he can beat you with his arm, try to make him do that because I don't think he can yet. He's not there. As far as offensive side of the ball, it's going to be tougher to run against Kansas State because they have such a talented defensive line and linebacker core versus everybody else. Although, I mean, Trey Sermon had over 100 yards against Texas last week, and as far as I know, Texas has the best defensive line in the Big 12 so far. So I think they can't go away from the run, but it'll be tougher. So I just hope that Lincoln Riley doesn't try to get doesn't get scared and try to make Baker do things. So keeping the ball on the ground in Manhattan, and keeping Alex Delton in the pocket are my two keys. What about a prediction? Man, whenever you first asked me to come on here, the first thing that popped into my head was, what was that, 2015? Yeah. 55 to nothing. And I don't think it's going to be like that. I don't think it's going to be a necessarily close game, but there's not going to be a shutout. Alex Delton is talented, and Oklahoma's defense is in a bad spot right now. They're getting better. They're trending up, especially against Texas. But Oklahoma's defense is in a bad spot to be able to try to shut somebody out right now. I would have to say, I think Oklahoma's going to put 45 on them easy. And I would say 45 to 17. That's actually really close to what my prediction was going to be. So I, I was going to go 41-17. So. Well, yours is probably closer, but I'll go with a confident 45. Oh, that's, that's fine with me. Well, I think that's about all I had for uh, questions for you. Um, any outstanding things you want to talk about? Do you think that this really is going to be Bill Snyder's last year? I do. 
I I mean, unless they rebound and go like eight and four. Right now, I think they'd be lucky to get six and six. But if they go like eight and four or something, he might try to stick around another year. But I would, I'd be shocked if he if he makes it another past this. So, I am. Bill Snyder has always been not necessarily my favorite coach, but the one I respected more than anybody, more than Bob Stoops, more than uh, Nick Saban. I've always respected Bill Snyder just because he's been there, he's done that, and he built the program from nothing. And I would hate to see this be his last year. I know that they're not doing that great, and I know that, I mean, there's been health issues in the past. There's probably still health issues. But to see him not on the sideline in Manhattan would kill me, and I'm an OU fan. So I don't want him to do anything that would hinder him in the future in his own life, but I really hope that he stays at least another year. I'm not ready. Uh, I feel, I don't know, I'm a little... Up in the air on Bill himself. I think two or three of his coordinators need to go pronto. Uh, if he, if he, yeah, if he, review of the game that was he, pretty obvious. If he was willing to, you know, make some changes and and that kind of thing, I'd I'd, get, I'd be open to having him for another year or two. But I just don't think it's going to happen. Anyway. He is so sorry. I'm not trying to like no, make this fine. thing run long, but my last point. He is so set in his ways, and his ways are good. I mean, they've gotten them to bowl games year in, year out, and contending for a Big 12 championship. I don't remember the last time they won one. They tied in uh, 14 or 15, didn't they? Uh, They won it, or well, they tied with Oklahoma in 2012. That's what I thought. I remember that 2012 game in Norman. Don't, ugh. But he is so set in his ways, and if he would just change a couple of things, they could get to where they are sometimes contending for a championship to where they were with Colin Klein to contending for a national championship. And I don't know if they're ever going to get that with him. I, I don't think they'll ever get back there, no. I think they've already pretty well peaked. It's just more or less, can you squeak another nine-win season out of him or is just kind of the wheels going to fall off again like they did in uh, 2004, 2005. So I hope that doesn't repeat. But I, I the, what I've seen so far this year, the red flags are there, and it seems eerily similar to me. So I agree. Yeah, I not a good situation. It'd be great if they could be competitive for at least a half on Saturday, but I don't have a whole lot of faith in that. So, well, I guess good luck to your Sooners. Good luck to you guys too. You'll oh, need it. Trust oh, me. We'll need a whole hell of a lot of it. Uh, <laughs> so, thanks for having me on, Jake. Hey, not a problem. I'm glad we could have you. We might try to get you back on in a few weeks for to cover Iowa State. So uh, we'll see how things go. But we'll try. I'll definitely be around. All right, well, thanks a bunch, man. Thanks, man. Have a good night. You too. All right, I'll welcome on Arm. How are you tonight, man? I am good, ready to talk about our cats. Yeah, those high-flying cats. Uh, First, actually, we're going to do the post of the week, which actually is a tweet of the week coming from GoPowerCat.com. If you missed it earlier in the week, they tweeted, quote, we're rocking, rolling, and not assisting TCU prepare for Saturday's game. Fighting ever fighting at GoPowerCat.com, end quote. Man, I I wish I could be as mature as they are, to be honest. Yeah, that's why they've created all the, the memes of, you know, the tears are salty, right? So that was... Well, they're most definitely not petulant little children. And I, you and I have had experiences with that crew, and I think... Everybody's in a better place now where we don't have to deal with those people anymore and 
know, I, I think a lot of what's going on with them is, especially as it relates to Untalked, is that our message board is busier than theirs. And ours is free. Well, but they're coming. They're, they're, they're coming there after their subs at Rivals run out. Yeah, look, I, if you believe anything he says at this point, I think it's a reflection on you. But that's just me. Uh, yeah, good riddance. Good riddance. Uh, best bet. Last week, I had K-State plus six against TCU. That obviously was a very misguided prediction. Uh, what did you have again? Uh, the one I remember was uh, the OU Texas in the Red River, which oh, missed right. as well. So so we're both one and one on the year. Yes. So 50% is not bad. That's some. Hopefully we get this turned around this week. So do you want to lead with yours? I've got West Virginia minus nine at Baylor. Yeah, I like that one as well. Actually, that's uh, I don't know what hope people see with Baylor, but yeah, I don't either. They're pretty dead right now. Especially West Virginia looked pretty good last week, so I don't. <laughs> well, in the, second, don't in the second half, anyway, they did. Yeah, but they're in the they're fighting for the second tier, right? Best of the second tier. So, no, I think they're definitely in that group. So you think? Um, I unfortunately, mine is our game. And it's the bad guys to to cover, and unfortunately, was it minus fourteen OU? Yeah, it started. It opened at thirteen. It's been bet up a little bit, so I got mine in at thirteen. And uh, especially if you can, fourteen is kind of a magic number in the betting world. So if you can get it at thirteen and a half, and just kind of cover yourself for two touchdowns, maybe Oklahoma takes the foot off the gas a little bit. But I still, think I'm I sure we'll. I think we'll I still bet the house on uh, Oklahoma, even at 14, but that's me. Yeah, we, you know, we'll probably talk about it here in a little bit, but there's not a good obvious path forward to keep it less than 14. So, I, I think it could get ugly. Uh, any final thoughts from TCU? Yeah, unfortunately, quite a few. One, I think we're seeing the continuation of the offensive game plan completely combust and fail. Uh, There was a lot of talk all around about play calling. That's been a joke for you and I, especially even on this podcast. And I think that that's a part of it, but we're also seeing a complete failure. I think if I can pull this up, K-State went two of 15 on third downs and that's awful, right? And so when you go in and you get 15 or yeah, 15 third downs, you kind of think you get, a wide variety of yards. And so when you go two for 15, you're kind of expected, wow, I didn't hit any of the long ones. I didn't hit very many of the middle ones. And then, you know, I got a couple of, of short ones. We had one third down that was four yards or less out of 15, which when you want to be the team that controls the clock, you have to get to shorter third downs. And so K-State's not doing who they are. We no longer have an identity. And that is really troublesome because Alex Delton was making his first start and it was one of the worst starts ever for a K-State quarterback. And I don't even blame him because this offense doesn't make any sense. And I, you know, I think he had like nine incompletions on third down because you're asking him to, to pick up third and twelves, third and sixes, third and tens. And so I, I can't even sit here on this podcast and, understand what k-state is doing can you can you make sense of it for me no i i'm 
getting really tired of two things in particular. First one, quarterbacks and running backs getting gang tackled by three or four defenders on a slow developing run play to either the left or right side. That's number one. Number two is seeing a defense perfectly predict our snap count on third down, on third and long, the obvious passing situation, and they bring two or three extra defenders up to the line at the very last second, time it perfectly, and absolutely smash the quarterback. And it's just like clockwork, and I'm so sick and tired of it. And there's not a whole lot of hope for this season right now, in my opinion. No, I think we need to have a full conversation. We could probably take a whole podcast on on this offensive line. There are four guys, and any tight end who's in. All the tight ends have been pretty poor blockers as well. They all should be looking over their shoulders to being replaced. And I know a couple of the, the TCU blitzes, it looked like Barnes or the running backs missed blocks. But if you go back and rewatch them, you can start to see that that the line is sliding one way and then the running back is trying to fill where they've now vacated by sliding. And then you see a lineman cross back to carry on a block, which if you're sliding – you're taking a location. You're not taking a specific blocker because if he crosses. And so on that one, the, the one that looked awful, I'm pretty sure that, that the center called the wrong protection. And so you start to add up penalties, and now you're talking about execution. And Well, it, let me ask I, you this. What, what does Winston Dimmel do? Because he doesn't block. He doesn't run the ball worth a shit. Well, you know, one carry for 10 yards, right? You'll take oh, I'm that sorry. That the, the one carry where they didn't, yeah. One carry, I'm sorry. No, I don't. It's almost like they so overreacted from last year where he was kind of vulturing touchdowns, and now they don't use him at all because he had a couple hold calls, including one that was pretty brutal and he probably didn't deserve. But I don't get it. I don't understand what they're doing. Uh, they clearly are not trying to do the fullback option pass type thing with him or that RPO thing. And I don't know. It, but again, when you run 29 times and your starting quarterback making his first start, who's kind of a smaller guy anyway, gets 19 of them, like Winston Demo's not the problem. <laughs> well, I all I know is coherent is not a term um, I would associate with the offensive staff's game plan right now. It's just nonsensical to me. And I don't, and the whole lack of quick, short passing routes, I mean, when was the last time we saw a screen pass of any sort? Yeah, no, nothing makes any sense. And I understand you have Barnes on there, maybe you don't want to run a screen, but you have a guy who might be pretty good at screens who's the third stringer. But again... Are we even sure he still exists? I'm not even sure he exists. No, and I don't want to give klutz any hope that to even mention his name on this but the one thing that bill snyder said somewhat correctly in his uh, post game or the wednesday the tuesday teleconference is that they they don't have enough offensive plays to get running backs in rhythm and part of that is self-inflicted right i think they had two successful runs to start the game and got a first down and then didn't see another carry for like a quarter and so that's that's simply a mistake on their staff. But on the flip side, when you have third and long every time, you do have to pass. And so I just I don't understand what these guys are doing. I don't understand what they're building for. They're not controlling the clock. They're not making it easier on Delton. They're basically telling Delton to go pick up 
the hardest play in football, a third and 12, and go win the game. It's a mess. It's a mess. Is there any more optimism for Oklahoma? Is that a no? I'll just take that as a no. No, there's there's very little reason for optimism. I, I know we were kind of joking before the started on you were being Mr. Optimist, and I asked you, what's the path to do this? And I think you paused for about 30 seconds and I was, because you go take a look at this. In third down conversions on offense, K-State ranks 123rd in the country. There's only 130 teams, right? Where It's like 29%. And, and why that's important, when you run the type of first offense that we run, the ball control, and then the bend but don't break, you have to pick up third downs, right? Any offense has to pick up third downs, but we really need to pick them up to control the clock, and, and especially against Baker Mayfield. And so we're clearly awful at that. On defense, despite some decent stuff the defense is doing, we're 94th in the country. And then I, I almost <laughs> don't want to bring this up, but... In sack percentage, meaning on the times a quarterback drops back, what percentage ends in a sack, we're 127th on defense. So we're not going to pick up third downs. We're not going to stop third downs. We're not going to get sacks to put Baker Mayfield behind the sticks. And then, so what are we going to do? How, how do we beat OU besides five turnovers, right? Or more. Yeah, you're kind of looking at the – and maybe this is the way it goes, and it has happened, obviously, because Iowa State's kind of made a history of this. But remember that seven-turnover game against Nebraska? Well, I, I mean, that'd be nice. Um, I don't think you can count on that, though. No, and then even when they beat Oklahoma State on that crazy Thursday night game, I think that was like a five-turnover game. So That was just a weird game, but anyway. Yeah, so Baker Mayfield set the record for best quarterback season in terms of efficiency last year. He's currently on pace to beat that. So Baker Mayfield, the guy who's you know six feet tall and probably won't make it very long in the NFL or for very long, is going to have the number one and number two best seasons in the history of the NCAA from the quarterback position. So again, I'll, I'll put you on the spot on this. What's the path to even see an upset? Bain blowing up the field. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's unfortunate because in the years past when these games would come up for K State, you could look at it and say, you know, we really do pick up third downs pretty well and we don't pick up a lot of penalties and if we just get one or two lucky breaks, we can do that. And that's what K State did. And now you see it. We need like thirteen lucky breaks. And again, it kinda of sucks. OU's definitely a class of themselves or you know, maybe T C is close. So I think there's hope later on in the season, but this might be something where you want to leave a few chores to go and do at halftime. I, Maybe not back. I, it's going to be a bloodbath. Maybe not 2015 bloodbath, but it's going to be ugly. And in the rain, and the thunder, and the lightning again. Um, yeah, hopefully Jesse Ertz will call out the fans again. I, you know, that's probably more fight than they'll show on the field from yeah. the offense. I don't, because again, even just to pile on at this point, our defense has played a lot better than I thought. I Just to maybe embarrass myself on this, I thought we had a 10-win offense and a 6-win defense. That's why I predicted 8 wins. I thought our defense would hold us back, and I, I thought our offense just was going to fire on all cylinders the way everybody gets better under Bill Snyder in year two. And I couldn't have been more wrong. And so 
I, I kind of think our defense, you know, I, I don't think we'll run the Jade Kirby outside blitz to leave Baker Mayfield to run for 150 yards. I think they'll fix that because uh, that's so obvious. But, you know, they might hold them to 31 or 35 points, which is a heck of a showing against a pissed off OU team. But how do we get to 32 to win, right? We don't. So. Not not short of an absolute miracle, we don't, anyway. Especially in the rain. What do you have for an official score prediction? Uh, let's go OU 45, K-State 14. I told Corey uh, earlier that I'd go 41-17. I think I'm going to stick with that. Might even get a kickoff return for a touchdown just to give us a little hope in the first half. Yeah, I don't think we really even want to go into some of the special team stats that we're starting to... No, we don't. We're just going to blind hope it right now. There we go. We gotta have faith yeah. in Sean. He's the he's next in line. We gotta have faith in him, man. Yeah, the hashtag hope, right? Uh, there's a lot of hashtags I can think of, but yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's probably about it for this week's show. He's Arm. I'm Top Cat. Go Cats. Hashtag Fire Dana. Yeah.